Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. everybody, it's March 15th, 2015, and you're listening to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. Joining me at the helm is my brother in martial arts and esteemed co-host, Sifu Robert Deal. Sifu Bob, how you doing today, man? I, dude, I am doing... If, if I couldn't stand it if I was doing any better right now. Uh, it was oh, wow. in the hundreds here yesterday. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually had to put the air on yesterday in the, in the apartment. It got so hot here. It was ridiculous. I'll bet. Uh, then uh, uh, my buddy, uh, Sophie Greg Wolverich, came in over the weekend. Came in on oh, Friday. Right on. And <laughs> I came in from Chicago and I said, uh, so it's a little warmer here, isn't it? And he says, yeah, I love it here. It was It's in the 50s right now, but like two weeks ago it was zero. Are you serious? Oh my yeah. Gosh. And he lands um, it's like 90, right? <laughs> a big oh, difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. And then, well, I'll mention now, you know, he had a seminar yesterday. A great seminar. Mm-hmm. I went out and ate afterwards. And I had to, my, my daughter had a competition last night, so I had to leave him. But we had like Billy Burke, me, and Eric Thompson, his cousin Derek came out. And then, because he has a meeting today, with Manny Pacquiao, he's, what? they're they're considering him for Manny's LA team. Oh, which is like okay, really cool. Because yeah, yeah, he's gonna have a Vegas team. He's gonna have an LA team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's gonna be pretty cool. They have a lunch there now. The the reason I bring that up is because we were supposed to run a review board this morning. Well, when oh, he announced okay. in that he's got this meeting with Manny, he came in right in the middle of the seminar. He said, ah, mm-hmm. things changed. And nobody knew the, the review board was being run yesterday. They thought oh. it was all going to be today. Mm-hmm. So they all went through a lot of pain yesterday. A lot. Oh, wow. And remember last week how I was mentioning that I you know, was sort of suggesting to my daughter of colleges to go to near my friends, and that mm-hmm, didn't go mm-hmm. very well. Well, my wife mm-hmm. came up to me during the week, and she said, why would you do that? I said, why? I want to protect her. And she's like, I got an earful of how you're an idiot for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's like... You... <laughs> You know, that's too bad, but, you know, I'm pretty sure that when she gets older, she'll realize that you did it just because you love her, right? But at this age, and I know I was there too, but at this age, you know, they we kind of have to let them spread their wings and kind of, and kind of, you know, have that, that sense of independence for, you know, for once, that kind of thing. And, you know, and she knows perfectly well that if she did go to college here, 
at the U uh, Dub or um, in Pullman or whatever that I would drive uh, a camel train, you know, to get to her if she's in trouble. You know what I mean? I would I I I'd, I'd learn to drive a a, a, a semi truck if I had to, you know. <laughs> and she she knows that she knows that all your friends that that know you and know her and 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 um, Brandon also um, that we do our very best to be there for. Her. But you know. She's, she's yeah, but you know what? I I told my wife last night that because of the show, because of the mass cell thing, because of Facebook, there's probably mm-hmm. not a whole lot of places that she could go in this country that I couldn't find somebody that I have friended on Facebook yeah. and ducked <laughs> their Hall of Fame or personally know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, yeah, there's not. Oh, in fact, she got, she got a, um, an, uh, a college app from uh, Northwestern the other day. And she's following oh, uh-huh. She's gotten probably about thirty or forty college apps so far. Mm-hmm. And wow! I know it's ridiculous. And right. She got one from Northwestern in Illinois, and I said, well, "That's close enough to Chicago." <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> it's a good school, and I've got one of my mm-hmm. best friends in Chicago. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> oh. And and yeah. another thing, I, I was watching an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond the other night. And mm-hmm. now, the, the guys don't like me saying this stuff because I'm spilling all his little secrets. But Raymond was talking to his wife and said something like men do, not mm-hmm. too sprite. Looks at his daughter mm-hmm. and says, you saw daddy talking. Couldn't you stop me? My wife saw that. And she said, that is so you. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> she says, saying something stupid. <laughs> oh my god she's right because this do you is... remember the all the old woman show we had yeah yeah you said something like i'm here to make sure you don't say something stupid <laughs> i'm like wow you guys have faith in me not that not that not as a bad thing but you guys have faith i'm going to say something stupid <laughs> and here's Jenny. Jenny's all right. Big dummy. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. So everybody listening out there, our phone number is three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. And in about half an hour or so, we're gonna have Grandmaster Daryl Sargent joining us. Um, he's gonna be um, the second. Are we on the second or third? This is our third, second. our third or second. Sorry, our second installment of the Masters Hall of Fame nominees series, where we have guests on our show uh, that are nominees to the 2015 Masters Hall of Fame. So, um, second installment. We were also supposed to have Tuhan Brandon Jordan joining us uh, this afternoon. But uh, he un- unexpectedly got called to work, and uh, when work calls, you gotta go. So unfortunately, uh, we're not going to be speaking with Tuhan Brandon, but we will be having uh, Grandmaster Daryl joining us. And uh, Grandmaster Daryl has another great show here on Blog Talk Radio called Modern Combat Masters, and that's where I got started with my Blog Talk Radio. Stint. I was his co-host on Modern Combat Masters, and uh, then not long after that, me and Bob decided to do our own show. So here we are. So it'll be great to talk to Grandmaster Daryl. All right, very cool. So what else is going on over there? Nothing. Just, just, just heat, 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 heat. More oh, heat. Just heat. 
This is more he, you know, you, know, you and I, I were talking the other uh, well, you and I were talking the other day, and we hope this isn't a precursor to a summer. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Because well, right now it's actually around the um, the normal. It's raining, but it's warm. So like yesterday, the rain started to come in, and it was so humid. My truck was humid. The school was humid. Everything was thick and nasty, but it wasn't really hot. It was just nasty, right? We were like, oh, gosh, if it rains tomorrow, it's going to be yucky, like Hawaii, but not so hot. Um, But it is warmer today than normal. So, yeah, this is a precursor to what summer's going to be like in Seattle and in uh, SoCal. It's going to be awful. Yeah, because you're going to be twice in the summer. Yeah, and I remember August in like the East Coast, um, and uh, the last few times I've been down like in August where it was like hella hot. It's right. <laughs> it's it's it's. I welcome it for the first couple days, <laughs> but if I'm staying a week, I get tired of it after the first couple days. So <laughs> oh man, but anyway. Anyway, so let's uh, let's get moving on. Let's get moving on with the birthdays. Who do we have for birthdays there, Sifu Bob? Well, I have two this week. Grandmaster George Kirby. Uh, his birthday is on the 17th. Mm-hmm. Uh, great jiu-jitsu practitioner, but traditional jiu-jitsu. Been teaching for oh, years. Cool. Retired L.A. school teacher. Uh, he's, yeah, he's a great practitioner. He has he has an event I've taught at a few years called uh, Camp Budushin in Santa Clarita. Oh, uh-huh, he does that every uh-huh. year. So that's pretty cool. Now, Grandmaster Bob White, his birthday is on the 21st, which happens to be the weekend of his tournament. And I don't know if that's a happy cool coincidence or if he coincides that. That is very cool. His birthday is on the 21st when the uh, uh, tournament is on. The 22nd seminars are on the 21st, and the welcome dinner is on the 20th. Very cool. And we're going to be broadcasting live from that tournament on Sunday, the 22nd. So tune into that, everybody. Next Sunday, we'll be, uh, yep. next Sunday, we'll be airing again at 11 a.m. <clears throat> All right. And I have a few birthdays. I'd like to send a birthday shout out to Michelle Nyrie and Bruce Fontaine. Their birthdays are today. Uh, a Tai Chi friend of mine, Nancy Lucero, uh, on the 18th, and Anton Blair, also on the 18th, a good friend of mine from the South St. George, um, who was also a previous guest on our show uh, a couple of years ago. It was a fencing a Western martial arts versus Eastern martial arts episode. Uh, Stephanie Zimmerman, her birthday's on the 19th, Scott Irie who was my, uh, for a short time, my Iaido instructor in Eishinru Iaido. His birthday is on the 20th. And a Kajukembo sister, Kimi Mohika, her birthday is on the 21st. So for everyone having a birthday, the week of the 7th through the 14th, I'm including the Saturdays, <laughs> this tune is for you. Happy birthday to you.
Very cool. Well, what kind of announcements do you have on your docket there, Sifu Bob? Wow. Okay, well, I just went over the uh, Bob Bob and Barbara White Invitational, uh, which benefits mm-hmm. uh, Royal Kids Camp. Uh, we've got the Masters Hall of Fame coming up June 6th at the beautiful Roosevelt Hotel. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've we've we're about we're already ten percent of the inductees that we're allowing this year. So I hope oh. they start getting their paperwork in soon because there's not going to be room. We only have room for mm-hmm. three hundred guests this year uh, instead of the five or six we typically have. So time time is of the essence to get your paperwork mm-hmm. in. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got the Dragon Fest coming up in July. Uh, this time it's going to be a two day event. Uh, mm-hmm. then last year was just so cool. I, that was the I had the yeah. best time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and it's going to be then, double that because it's going to be two days this year. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, and I I, I do hope it warrants it uh, a two day event. The only reason I said that was it was so packed on Saturday or when did yeah. we? It was on Saturday, right? I don't remember. It wasn't Saturday. Uh, Saturday, because we went to Universal. Saturday, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. Was Saturday, and it was just, you couldn't move. It was so packed. Mm-hmm. It was insane. I, you know, there was one time when I could not see across the room because there were so many people elbow to elbow to elbow. Yeah. And meeting all their yeah, celebrities. Right. And, and not everybody's being, being invited back this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we Michael, lucked out. Michael, <laughs> well, we did. We got personally invited by Michael Matsuda. Back. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was happen. that was so cool. Yeah, that was, that was so cool. cool. That was. That's very good. We're gonna we're gonna have some fun. Oh, we're gonna have some. We're gonna have a lot of fun because if you ever, if he if he ever gets any problems from you, uh, any attitude at all, any of the the I forget the term you used, but the do you know who I am type thing, you're not invited yeah. back. It's real simple. Exactly. And exactly. he did have problems uh, with one of the vendors last year. That vendor's not invited back. In fact, that, that vendor is not even welcome to come to Dragon Fest. Wow. And that says yeah. something as far as what Michael wants um, for a quality event. You know, I mean, Michael wants an event <clears throat> that... Uh, that heralds back to the Gerald Okamura days, right? Where, you know, everything's like exciting and, and fresh and new and you get to, you know, see the latest and greatest in, you know, martial arts instruction type of methods and, and gear and, you know, and stuff like that, as well as celebrities and stuff. And, you know, uh, kudos to Michael for you know, taking the time to to stand up and go, hey, you know, let's keep this an honorable and exciting event for the public. Because, you know, when it comes right down to it, folks, it is about the public, the people that do martial arts and the people that are just interested in it, you know, and it it does us no good, you know, to go to this event (laughs) with an attitude. Do you know who I am? Uh, that's really going to attract people to martial arts, isn't it? Yeah. Anyhow, (laughs) so kudos to Michael. (laughs) Right on. <laughs> oh, cool. So, uh, what else on your? Um, That's pretty your much it. Those here. three things. Okay. Cool. 
Well, I want to uh, just uh, put a couple announcements. These announcements were sent to us by Kumulua Michelle Manu, and uh, there's a tournament coming up on Saturday, March 28th. It's the Moko Moko Invitational. And just for trivia, Moko Moko is a Hawaiian term that's used for hand-to-hand sports, you know, like wrestling, boxing, or in this case, martial arts. And this is a karate, jiu-jitsu, and eskrima tournament, again, March 28th. And it's going to be held at the Campbell Community Center Main Gym. And that's at 1 West Campbell Avenue in Campbell, California, 95008. And uh, this tournament is pre-registration only pre-registration there's going to be no registration at the venue and the pre-registration is due by wednesday march 25th and that's that's actually drawing out the pre-registration uh very far because normally people will only take pre-registrations up to like two weeks or a week prior i mean they're only taking registrations up to three days prior to the tournament and that's saying something so um anyway March 25th, get your pre-registration. The judges meeting is going to be at 9 a.m. and competition begins at 9.30 a.m. The weigh-ins are um, 8.30 to 11 a.m. And this tournament is uh, being presented by Zanshin Enterprises uh, with tournament director Hans Ingebretsen. And uh, Mr. Ingebretsen can be reached at 408-377-1787. Or, or if you have any other questions, you can email Mr. Ingebretsen at Hans Ingebretsen. And let me spell that for you. It's Hans, H-A-N-S, Ingebretsen, I-N-G-E-B-R-E-T-S-E-N, Hans Ingebretsen at yahoo.com. And for tournament rules, you want to visit www.shinbukandojo.com. That's S-H-I-N-B-U-K-A-N-Dojo.com. All right. The Mokomoko oh, Invitational. I won't be gone because uh, that's like six hours for me. Yeah. It's in, yeah. That's in the Bay uh, Area. Yeah, that's up north of you. Alrighty, oh, yeah. another announcement from uh, Michelle Manu is a female awareness self-defense seminar. It's next Sunday, March 22nd, 2015, from 1 to 4 p.m., and this is for women only. Um, it's $65 in advance or 75 at the door. And uh, Michelle's going to be teaching um, self-defense and blending it with hula. Uh, she's making this uh, a specifically woman-centered training experience. Um, and uh, she wants to feature um, women learning about uh, trusting their instincts and to never give up. And uh, the description is, <clears throat> quote-unquote, using the Hawaiian dance hula and Hawaiian martial art lua as references for attendees, Kumulua Michelle Manu offers a workshop focusing on awareness of self, others, and one's surroundings. Participants will learn self-defense techniques rooted in hula and lua that build confidence and learn real-life techniques against the prevention, discussion of weapons, and reading possible situations. Now, for people out there going, hula, really? If they're thinking hula, really, then they've seen too many movies or listened to too much Don Ho. Because <laughs> hula isn't just the, you know wavy wavy hands and stuff like that it's a uh, hula actually 
uh, especially Kahiko Hula, which is ancient Hula, has a lot of great footwork that's very martial oriented. And uh, the uh, especially the uh, the Kane Kahiko, the male Hula, is very powerful, very uh, uh, martial oriented in its movements, as well as the women's. Um, hula, um, just a little bit toned down because there's some movements that women can't do in hula that men can. Um, so, um, but the the movements are very martial. Go check it out. Um, this isn't just you know um, fake grass skirts and stuff like that. Go go check it out. So um, March 22nd, and if you want to um, uh, get some more information, you can email Michelle at Michelle. That's M I C H E L L E at Michelle Manu. Last name is M-A-N-U dot com. Michelle at MichelleManu dot com. And uh, this is going to be held at the Shuyakan Martial Arts Center, 1360 Logan Avenue, Suite 108 in Costa Mesa, California, 92627. Well, All right. Yeah, the Shuyokan. That's very cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, so well, I, I guess uh, it's out oh, for me to ahead. ask her to be be our co-host next weekend, huh? Yeah, it's. I guess it's out because she's gonna be in. Yeah, she's gonna be kind of busy all day. <laughs> but that is that is so cool, that, you know, to to blend the uh, ancient dance with the uh, uh, with the self defense, which which is cool. I mean, many cultures blend the the dance and the music uh, with the martial arts. It's it's great. All right. right. Well, anyway, with that said, let's move on to the healthy. All right. So we know that listening to really loud music is going to screw up your ears, you know, especially with like teens and young adults. But did you know that more than one billion teens are at risk for screwing up their hearing? One billion. And that's according to the World Health Organization. (laughs) So um, it's not just old folks who suffer from hearing loss, folks, just by listening to music at what you probably think is a normal level or hanging out in loud bars, nightclubs, and and sporting events, uh, you can permanently, actually permanently damage your hearing. Now, by analyzing listening habits of 12 to 35-year-olds in wealthier countries around the world, the World Health Organization found that nearly 50% of those studied listen to unsafe sound levels on personal audio devices, and about 40% are exposed to damaging levels of music and noise at entertainment venues. Now, the WHO says it doesn't take much time to damage your hearing at a sports bar or nightclub. Um, In fact, uh, at sports bars or nightclubs, the uh, noise levels can go up to 100 decibels, which is typical in uh, such venues and is safe for no more than 15 minutes. (laughs) So no hanging out in the bars all night, you guys. (laughs) Now, the, if uh, you want some tips on how to preserve your hearing, here 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 are a couple. Because, you know, once you lose some of your hearing, you can't get it back. So tips to preserve your hearing. Turn the volume down. Don't go past 60% volume. Wear noise-canceling earbuds or better yet, wear full headphones. Um, take listening breaks or only listen for just one hour a day or... Get an app. 
You can download smartphone apps to help monitor safe listening levels. And the next time you go to a bar, nightclub, or sports event, or even a concert, use ear protection. <laughs> now, um, a lot of a lot of uh, musicians these days are using ear protection. Um, the, this particular story says that rapper Plan B. I didn't know there was a rapper named Plan B. Plan B is that anything like Ice T? Anyway, no, um, that's for and, people uh, who don't use the- protection. <laughs> Where's my rib shot? <laughs> there we go. All right. So rapper Plan B and uh, the lead singer of Coldplay, Chris Martin, they actually caused themselves to get chronic tinnitus. And that's the ringing and whooshing sounds in your ears. And this is chronic. It's not going away. They permanently uh, screwed up their hearing. And now they're saying for future performances they're going to be using ear protection. Now, it it won't look stupid, folks. Okay, it's not like you have to wear big earmuffs or anything like that. You can actually get very, very small in-ear earplugs that will still allow you to hear, but instead um allow uh, uh muffle the uh the big decibels, so to speak. So anyway, so that's it for my health tips. So, with that said, let's move on Weird to news. Right, let's move on to the weird news. Well, this comes out of Muncie, Indiana. Meth lab okay. discovered in Walmart restroom. Are you serious? It, <laughs> yes. That's why I said it so slowly, so that people really understood this. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Let's hear about this. A restroom at a Walmart in eastern Indiana has been closed indefinitely after an employee discovered a working meth lab inside. State police say a Walmart employee alerted police after seeing a man he described as suspicious enter the restroom about 11 p.m. I guess he went in with a backpack on on this Thursday and Mm -hmm. left without it. So he left the backpack Mm -hmm. in the restroom, and that's what the Star Press reports. The members of the state police meth suppression team removed the dangerous chemicals. Delaware County Health uh, Department inspectors closed the restroom and a nearby woman's restroom until they could be decontaminated by a professional cleaning company. State police say Hmm. people who make uh, methamphetamine are leaving the deadly explosive chemicals in public places Mm -hmm. to return later to get the finished product. Wow. wow. Rather than wow. <laughs> rather than risk explosions and contamination in their own homes. <laughs> you know the the title of that story made it sound like, you know, like the, all the equipment and stuff was in the bathroom and I was going to say That's how the I heck thought. do you not Yeah, how the heck do you not notice that there's a meth lab in a public bathroom? So, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go blow up Walmart instead of my own home. Wow, the intelligence of some people. Oh, it's just, amazing. It's just, yeah, it's <laughs> it's crazy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, it's a good thing the it, it got caught because it could have blown up the Walmart. I mean, yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. Oh man. That's insane. All right. It is. 
All right. Well, let's uh, go to entertainment news. Manny right. Pacquiao has pulled the trigger on Diddy's former Beverly Hills mansion. TMZ Sports has learned he's officially buying the $12.5 million estate and everything inside of it. You know what's really what's really sad, Rusty, is $12.5 million is barely a mansion anymore. The, yeah, that's Because that's I, I work in the building industry. I see people mm-hmm. building $30 million homes. Building wow. now. It's, it's unfathomable, right? It is. I don't understand it. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> now, they broke the story when Pac-Man fell in love with his 10,000-square-foot pet as soon as he stepped on the property last weekend. And now our real estate sources say he made the quick decision to buy. But there was a catch. Manny wanted to move fast, demanding a lightning-fast escrow period so his massive Filipino family has a place to stay when they come to L.A. <laughs> for the fight. In no fact, wonder Manny, he bought the mansion. Yeah. He, <laughs> no he, that's he exactly it. it it's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, in fact, Manny's mm-hmm. in such a rush, he worked out a deal to get the house fully furnished with the furniture, art, and appliances that are currently inside the place. And get this. Wow. The owners have even agreed to stock the wet bar for Pac-Man as part of the dealer, as part of the deal. Uh-huh. Can you imagine cool. writing that into a contract? The, the wet bar must be stocked when we take over the property. <laughs> well, some Filipinos like their whiskey, man. <laughs> they That's like their true. Whiskey. That's, even though he can't have any because he's prepping for this fight, I'm sure he probably has some uh, relatives that are coming over for it that'll... Uh, partake in the, in the nectar of the gods. I'll put it that way. Yeah. 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 But you know what? It's like, you know, it, it's unfathomable to, 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 for, for me to wrap my head around, a, you know, millions of dollars mansion and stuff. But you know what? Kudos to the Pac-Man for taking care of his family. And, you know, in the Philippines, your family is not your immediate family. It's the extended family. You know, over there, it's not unheard of for like, you know, 10 to like 15 people to be living under the same small uh, roof. Right. And for, right. for, you know, for him to do this for his family, um, his family has nothing to worry about for the rest of their lives. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it is very, very cool. So, you know, kudos to exactly. Manny for that. Go Pac-Man. You know, as as TMZ previously reported, Diddy lived in the house. Now, this is, they're tying the stuff together here. Diddy does not own the house now. He, earned, he, he was living in the house in the late 90s when he was still mm-hmm. called Puff Daddy and sold it right. in 2001. The place is sick with seven bedrooms, seven and a half baths, and a crazy... $200,000 home theater system. Perfect for family karaoke nights. Oh, my God, really? Oh, man. The Yeah, karaoke. I'll tell you this. Filipinos, we love the karaoke. <laughs> yes, you do. I've seen some videos of you and Lynn, yeah. 
<laughs> we love the karaoke. And, you know, a couple of, a few beers with that, we love the karaoke even more. Anyhow, well, right on, right on for Manny for that. And, uh, again, kudos to him for, you know, doing this for his family. Um, that's That's awesome. Because, you know what, I don't think he would have a mansion like that just for himself. No, I don't so, think so. Anyway, no. So right on for him. Abu hi, Manny. All right, let's do this real quick. Let's uh, let's uh, take a short break because it's uh, half past 11. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Grandmaster Daryl Sargent. So don't go away. We'll be back in about four A boy minutes. born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, 1 in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, 1 in 68. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You know, a lot of kids in my neighborhood have really bullied me. There's these teenagers around my neighborhood who sometimes just ride around us on their bikes calling calling us swear words and, like, throwing stuff at us. He grabbed my jacket just to get in line first, and he was running after me, and then he grabbed me by the hood, and I started choking. I wasn't doing anything. He called me gay because he didn't like me. Bullying is wrong because it, like, hurts people's feelings, and it makes you feel bad about yourself. It can make someone feel uncomfortable and scare them and make them not want to go back to school. It lowers their self-esteem. And it doesn't just always hurt on the outside. It also hurts on the inside. But do you know what I say when he's bothering me? I say, don't do that. If you don't stop, then I'll go tell the teacher. Stop. Could you please not do that anymore? Stop. Stop bullying. This is not cool. Hi folks, this is Restita De Jesus of Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio, and I just want to send a shout out to a good friend of the Dynamic Dojo show, Mr. Justin Harvey. Now Justin's got two big passions in the world, and those are radio and martial arts. A student of Frank Duke's, Justin is a true student of the arts. Now Justin has cerebral palsy, but that doesn't stop him at all. In fact, If somebody says that something can't be done, Justin will just get out there and do it, no matter what. He's the host of The Justin Harvey Show and has had guests such as Cynthia Rothrock, Frank Dukes, Ernie Reyes Sr. and Jr., Eric Lee, and many more. The Justin Harvey Show is syndicated on iTunes, so what are you waiting for? Go check it out. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T. Joe Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do... You can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. 
You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All right, and we're back. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. And uh, we also have a chat board on the Blog Talk Radio show marquee. So if you don't want to call in, just type your questions to our special guest, Grandmaster Daryl Sargent, uh, there in the chat board. Um, But you know what, folks? If you don't want to spend for long distance, you can Skype us. Also, go to the show marquee. There's a little blue button at the top there. Just hit it. And if you have Skype, you'll be able to call us toll-free. Don't have to worry about paying for a call. <laughs> Anyhow, I want to take this time to introduce uh, another wonderful brother in the martial arts and uh, the man that actually introduced me to Blog Talk Radio and uh, reigniting my love for radio <laughs> again. Um, he's a man, He's a man of many talents and is incredibly an incredibly skilled martial artist so please help me welcome to the show grandmaster daryl Sargent. grandmaster daryl how you doing today i'm doing well sis hey before i get started i got a special somebody who's here to say hello to you oh okay uh good afternoon this is happy Kalinda e just wanted to say greetings uh to you and hope that everything's going well Oh my goodness! It's so good to hear from you. Oh my goodness, I'm I'm like crying. <laughs> what a what a surprise! Yeah. Oh my goodness! I you know I almost forgot that uh, that you guys are actually at a seminar. You guys are in the middle of a seminar. Yeah, yeah and, we're here uh, in uh, Dallas Fort Worth here this uh, weekend, and uh, just wanted to holler and say how you doing. Oh well, my talk, goodness! Talk, Thank we're you we're so talking much. Again soon. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. We'd love to have you on the show, too, if possible, and uh, hopefully have Grandmaster Daryl joining us. Yeah, no, just just let me know. Yeah, you bet you. Awesome, thank uh, you, sir. Yeah, just get back to me. I'll go on the show. Here you go. Awesome. All right, sis. Wow. (laughs) Wow, that was awesome. (laughs) That is so awesome. Wow. Awesome. You happen to catch it at a good time. He's getting ready to go on and lecture, so I'm going to have to switch rooms in a couple of seconds. But you know, I wanted to at least get a uh, uh, get him an opportunity to say hi, as he's my one of my you know most significant teachers. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and yeah, that's actually what we want to get started with is to um, is to have you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and all the incredible masters and grandmasters that you studied with. So um, I know it's like, where do, where do you start? But can you can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your background? I mean, you know, it's uh, listeners. I mean, Grandmaster Daryl has a background that is, wow, it like, it's, it's, it's so vast. But, and I, you know, if possible, I'd like Grandmaster Daryl to, to really go into detail about it because anyone out there listening, I mean, any of these arts, if you've never taken martial arts before, you know, check out each of the arts that Grandmaster Daryl's going to tell us about. So anyway, I'm going to turn the mic over to you, Grandmaster Daryl, to tell us a little bit about your background. Well, well, sure. Um, I've, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to study 
um, a variety of different uh, martial arts from many different cultures. Um, as Ahati had spoken about, today we're down here uh, teaching uh, African martial sciences. And, of course, Ahati is my teacher within mm-hmm. the African sciences. Um, uh, as far as other cultures, I've, of course, I've had the opportunity from a Japanese standpoint, Japanese culture, to have studied uh, uh, different forms of karate, uh, mainly like Shotokan, Kempo, Jutsu, and uh, Goju-ryu. And uh, mm-hmm. also, of course, the Aikijutsu and Jiu-Jitsu uh, systems. Um, mm-hmm. Going into the more Southeast Asian arts, I've had the opportunity to, to train in different forms of Silat and, uh, of course, the Filipino uh, arts, uh, the Arnis and Kali. So mm-hmm. I've had the, the blessing of being able to do these things. And what uh, has occurred over time in, the, in, in my evolution is that I, I have found that each and every one of these particular art forms have very similar or the same core movements, but done... Mm-hmm in a different manner uh, according to maybe the perspective or the philosophy of the particular art form that um, I'm doing at that time. And so Mm -hmm. the evolution begins to occur uh, of what, in essence, I refer to as core movement, which then can be Mm -hmm. shared with anybody of any particular system that might uh, desire to come and train at a seminar or a class with me. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, See, listeners, this, I told you his, his experience is so vast. Yes, it does. I was, <laughs> I was telling the listeners. See, listeners, I told you his experience was pretty vast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Now, um, speaking of uh, systems and and bringing stuff together, um, you're. You're considered an inheritor of a lineage, and yes. um, you know that it's a it's a big it's a big responsibility. Can you um, tell our listeners a little bit about your take on the responsibilities of a lineage bearer? I mean, like you're you're literally the torchbearer. Um, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about uh, being the torchbearer and the responsibilities also of of when people create create methods or systems, um, if you can get it, uh, get into that a little bit for our listeners, that would be great. Uh, no problem. Um, <clears throat> I've been um, named as inheritor of a couple of different uh, systems. Uh, one, of course, by uh, in my cousin's system of Davis Rue Jiu-Jitsu, uh, which, mm-hmm. of course, that lineage comes from Professor V., and Dr. Musa, Dr. Moses Powell, uh, directly mm-hmm. to my cut, directly to me. And then also um, my Goju Ryu teacher uh, has named me the inheritor for his particular system, uh, which is based off of USA Goju with Grandmaster mm-hmm. Peter Urban. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I have a couple of other inheritorships through Kempo and, and through, through uh, some other stuff, through Filipino arts and stuff. But... Overall, 
uh, inheritorship is a very um, serious entity. It's a, it's a serious deal. And mm-hmm. it is to pr- protect and preserve the teachings, the philosophies, the um, principles, the culture of the art forms by which uh, you have been, I have been asked to to keep alive uh, mm-hmm. either now or once uh, a teacher makes his transition to the ancestors. And so mm-hmm. um, the seriousness of, of inheriting a system is not only to keep it alive, but to keep it relevant for the time at hand and to make sure that when you see areas that can be improved, then it is your responsibility now uh, to take that and apply and, and, and either go deeper, do extra study in the area in order to mm-hmm. make sure that each particular area that might need to grow into and improve, that that it happens. And so mm-hmm. protect and preserve the legacy, protect and preserve the culture, pres- protect and preserve the concepts and principles of that art as well as the techniques of that art, all of those things go into play as well as when you have the opportunity. You t- it's very important as an inheritor that you take care of the family as a whole of the person mm-hmm. you inherited the system from. So when mm-hmm. you have opportunities to you know, to do a little something for the family, it's very important that you do so. Those mm. are some of the things that if somebody is named an inheritor, um, you know, you have to take it day by day and step by step, and you have to every day uh, understand how to deal with the challenges that can happen. And mm-hmm. in essence, not take it too personal. You just know that you have a duty to do and do the best that you can to fulfill the obligations of that duty. And then it's a little bit different in the development of a system because you have really, you, 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 in essence, don't have anybody to answer to because if you're at that point to go out and develop your own entity, then mm-hmm. you're at that point where you're looking to bring the different components of what you have been doing together in a cohesive way that will allow people to grow who come under you, but also give homage to those who gave to you. And so if Mm -hmm. you're going to be at the point that you're going to develop a method, a system, a style, then it is inherently important that you do not stop your learning and that you continue Mm -hmm. forward with elders that can guide your, your, your growth and push you forward in the appropriate directions. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I hope that answers. It do, It does, because, you know, a, a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but some people tend to think that, you know, uh, becoming a soke or, you know, something like that just involves, oh, hey, I got my first degree black belt, and I'm just going to put together a mishmash of what I think is best, and then I'm I'm going to be the founder of my own system. And you know what I mean? And, and it's a lot more than that. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, some of the younger people um, don't understand that, you know, and they just go, well, I founded my own system, <laughs> right? But not necessarily um, – 
you know, having the intention of preserving, you know, the the traditions and the standards that were brought down to him, you know, mm-hmm. um, or her, I should say. And, you know, um, I wanted our listeners to understand that, you know, becoming an inheritor or becoming a soke, it's a, you know, that it's a, it involves a lot more than, than just putting together a bunch of techniques. You have to, you actually have to put together a, uh, a legitimate method to allow those students to, um, get to, the standards that, you know, that were brought down. Um, and that's tough. You know, it's, you know, like I said, it's not like shoving a bunch of techniques together. You, you have to really know and master the concepts of your art to be able to create a method. So it's, um, it's so that's, that was a wonderful explanation, Grandmaster Daryl. All right. Well, well I'm going to stop talking for a second. <laughs> everybody has to, oh, go to ahead. understand that when you, when you're developed in that, in that, area of supposedly being a soke or kancho, the grandmaster, whatever it is that you are, are deemed to be, then it's important for that person to be at a, a point where they can help the people that are under them to grow mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually through the martial sciences. And truly, it it, it, it you have to be mindful that you some people leave their teacher way too early because they right. either don't like something or whatever, and then they try to go out there to formulate something that's mishmash, and they don't have the right. underlying principles and concepts in order to bring them co- into a, a cohesive methodology that will allow it to be a smooth transition. And so mm-hmm. that's a shortfall that some people run into, and then when you are are founding your own thing, a lot of the the mistakes that are made is, is that, or or not really a mistake, but one of the things that happens is first you wind up thinking that you're going to do maybe what your teacher has done or is doing in a maybe better manner. Uh, you haven't developed mm-hmm. your uniqueness mm-hmm. yet, and, and so mm-hmm. as time goes by, your uniqueness comes and your your system will change. Over time, yeah. the thing that you do today and that you start off with 10 years from now, if it does look the same, that means you've been stagnant and haven't done your homework. Mm-hmm. Indeed. That's a that's a wonderful uh, piece of advice and, and kind of like a wake-up call because I've met a, I've met a few people that, uh, for lack of a better term, stay stagnant because they're at the top of the mountain. And they can't. They apparently in their head can't climb any higher. And um, but you put it so eloquently that you, you you have to keep learning to to keep that uh, that responsibility of an inheritor or uh, a daisoke or a uh, a founder. So wonderful advice, Sifu Robert. I'm going to turn the mic over to you. I've been talking long enough, man. <laughs> Do you have any well, questions for Grandmaster Daryl? Well, well, both Daryl and I are very familiar with you, and the only time you don't talk is when there's food in your mouth, so we both understand this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to go get something to eat. All right. You know, I, know. I, somehow, some way, though, Daryl, I'm going to pay for that last statement. I feel for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, you're... 
<laughs> somehow. And it may be when she comes down in, in June, but I'm going to end up paying for that. That's going to bite me. Uh, Daryl, mm-hmm. you're a security specialist. Uh, can you tell us about how you got into it, maybe who your clients are, if if you can, that sort of thing? Uh, sure. I mean, I haven't done security in a little while, um, but uh, I've been blessed to have had the opportunity to to deal with different aspects of security. Uh, for a, a period of time, or a good period of time, I did have my own security company uh, after working uh, for a brief time in law enforcement. And so um, during that time, you know, it's different than being in New York and Oklahoma. You don't have as many opportunities to do the executive protection out here. Uh, mm-hmm. But basically, uh, while while I was doing that uh, in New York, I, I had the opportunity to uh, be able to secure people like uh, Craig Hodges, who was, um, of course, the one of the top three-point shooters in the NBA. Uh, at that point in time, he was uh, uh, seeing Takia Crystal Kama, uh, and people would know Takia from being uh she she acted as Raven's uh Raven Simone's mother on I think a Cosby show or something like that. Um and Takia was also on In Living Color. Um she would mm-hmm. wear an Operation Unite jacket at the end of the show. Um I've had the opportunity to secure a few other actors and actresses uh during that time. And of course uh, a lot is learned from that the responsibilities of being an executive security, uh, having to make sure that you understand how to put together routes and have a backup plan for a back way out and being able to un- to work with uh, security of a venue, being able to work with law enforcement, being able to work with, um, you know, a security team, being able to understand the components of of uh even people at restaurants and and clubs mm-hmm. being able to make sure that your client is always in a safe place. And the biggest thing about that is to that you have to put into your mind and to your spirit that you are putting your life on the line for your client and that any time things can go left and you have to be that person to move your client off the line and be able to deal with whatever uh, situation uh, might manifest at that time, whether it's with weapon or without. So you have to mm-hmm. be very, very pertinent of what is going on around you, very alert of what's going on around you, and understand that you're saying my life is going to be given for you in the possibility of this situation going too deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Daryl, did you have any Definitely. special training for for uh, executive protection? Uh, During that time, no. During that time, I was relatively young doing all this stuff. I was in my 20s. And because of my background, <clears throat> martial arts-wise, people got an opportunity to know me. And then also because uh, Grandmaster Anthony Muhammad uh, also had a security company called X-Men Security. And... Some mm-hmm. clients came from that. Some clients came from because different people that I know were, were working with uh, different people like Craig and, and all those guys. So uh, when I was 
you know, I, I would be going with them and traveling with them from New York to Chicago or wherever else and then securing them. So people do have to understand that when I was securing people, I was securing them unarmed, and I was dealing with sometimes situations where people were armed and I was unarmed. So wow. a large part of my development came from having to utilize particular skills uh, armed mm-hmm. against, you know, unarmed against armed. So that went into mm-hmm. who I am today and my growth in the arts as well. Wow. Wow, very very cool. Now, did you, when you were into executive protection, were there any elements of, of, of that came up that were actually really dangerous? You were fearful for your life, you had to get the client out, that sort of thing? Or was it more of a of a babysitting position, like my my buddy says it when he was in executive protection. It's a combination of the two. Um, was it? You know, you have to be uh, very mindful of the perception that you have of people who are approaching your client. And mm-hmm. that is where you have to be very, like, selective on who you allow to approach at your client. And so times with maybe uh, Craig and and others where uh, people approach them, you know, the client had to say, it's okay, got you. And I would step Mm -hmm. over ever so slightly just in case, you know. Somebody reach out too quick. I got to be careful that I don't break their their arm or their wrist or something. And just Mm -hmm. gently place their arm away, you know, because you're moving too quick. You didn't let the client, you know, you, you didn't let my client know that you're reaching out to him. You know, you can't be reaching out that fast. My, so mm-hmm. the, the thing about executive security is that you have to be very mindful of the approach. Or when they have uh, scenarios pop up where maybe uh, someone who has beef with them or somebody who might uh, take issue with something of them, then your goal is to make sure that you find that, that back way out you get your client out in the uh, in the safest way, and that that has happened. Although I can't mention names of clients uh, of a client mm-hmm. that that happened, but that client um, had a, a particular issue while I secured them at the club, and then we needed to get him out immediately, and that is what we did in order to avoid a situation and got him home safely. So it, it is the thing of not being reactive. It is being proactive so that you are in the best mm-hmm. position of control of the situation at hand. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, did you wow. find that being a personal protection specialist, uh, was that something that just kind of happened, or did you find at the time that it was um, it was a, a, a move, a career move that made sense at the time? Well, it was a combination. Yes, in the beginning, it was uh, a blessing that happened, you know, just by chance. And then after that, uh, for a little while, I, I kind of did it a little bit more. You know, although I had grown away from doing it, um, uh, basically it, it was a combination of what you had asked. In the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, an opportune situation, and then a little bit after that trying to get it to grow. But then, you know, kind of moving on after that to other things. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Awesome. 
I'm going to uh, backtrack a little bit, uh, back to your training. Um, uh, two two people that had gone on to be with the ancestors, uh, Dr. Musa and uh, the mm-hmm. late Professor Florendo Visitacion, you had a chance to train with these two legends. And uh, yeah. I'd, uh, I'd like to see if you can tell our listeners about about what it was like training underneath these two legends. Uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, having the opportunity to train under Professor uh, Florendo Visitacion uh, was very much an honor of. Uh, he was a very sincere person that uh, lived the particular art form that he uh, serviced his community with, that he he, he taught. Um, of course, we know that Professor V went on to formulate uh, a few different systems uh, or evolutions of his system. And mm-hmm. uh, the things that I learned from Professor V uh and one was very important in that you know he shared with me that every technique uh, every technique that he does when the person that is attacking off that the attacking with that technique he he shared with me you have to look at it as that person has a blade in hand so you have to be very mindful now of the approach that you take in the entries that you do I've never forgotten that. Uh, He shared Mm. things all the time of music in comparison to music. There's eight notes of music, but there are a whole bunch of different genres, and these genres utilize the same notes. So, Mm -hmm. therefore, what that would say is there are a whole realm of martial arts out here, but each one has a very similar perspective of a front kick is a front kick, whether I held my chamber up higher, lower, or I lock it out, or I snap it out, a front kick is a front mm-hmm. kick, a punch is a punch. And so it'll, it forced me to look at techniques in a different way because of how he placed that within the confines of music. Um, there was a lot of other, you know, things that the that the man shared with me but you just have to then, of course, accept it and then be able to push forward with it as best you can. Uh, having mm-hmm. the opportunity to work out with him and, and uh, the inheritor of VR Nishitsu, uh, uh Professor David James. Um, Professor David James is like a big brother, and I got a chance to learn a lot from him and other elders of Jiu-Jitsu. Uh Of course, doing some doing time with, with, with Dr. Powell uh, and his way of thought and his way of approach was very, uh, what I would say, unstructured greatness because Mm -hmm. Dr. Powell didn't have this big structured uh, syllabus and and curriculum. Uh, From him, I learned to draw from the universe. The energy that comes to me is the energy that I learned to give back. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've learned from him how to put into the the thing of flow, uh, you know, the fluidity of movement. Uh, His flow Mm -hmm. might be a little bit different than the flow of the Philippines or something like that, but his emphasis was on fluidity of movement, stepping offline, his emphasis of of that in his jiu-jitsu based on the different Mm -hmm. um, um, art forms that he derived his system from. Some of the things that he said that really are just becoming now something where I understand better as I get older. 
you know, ain't no fun when the rabbit's got the gun and you got the hunter on the run. You know, when <laughs> you, when a person first says that, you're like, what it. the hell is he talking about? What is that? And then over time, you, you begin to, to recognize exactly some of the things that he's talking about as you go through different experiences with people and in life. You know, and here I am today with Ahati and Ahati's lectures and the different things that Ahati shares. To spend mm-hmm. other quality time with him is where you really get this knowledge from these elders. So having those opportunities to work and to learn from Dr. Powell and Professor V gave me insight from the perspectives that allowed me to continue my growth and my development into these art forms. Wow. <laughs> wow, very cool. Ain't no fun now, when the rabbit's got the gun. <laughs> I, that, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Love Great it. statement. I'm remembering this. <laughs> yeah. Now, Daryl, what can, tell us about the focal points in Viarni's jiu-jitsu uh, and Moses Powell's Lucas Root. What, make, what makes them unique? Um, you know, from from the standpoint of mixed arts, both of them can be considered as mixed arts. So when you look at VR and East Jitsu, you would be it would be the culmination of those art forms that Professor V had studied, the Filipino arts as well as his jiu-jitsu, his judo, his kung tao, or old school kung fu, mm-hmm. uh, uh, southern style mantis, and some Wing Chun and some Tai Chi and Bagua, Sing Yi, and different things that he had the opportunity to to put. To, to to study and bringing those things together within his particular philosophy, which was very inclusive of his spiritual journey. And when you look at Dr. Powell, you can say the same, really the same things. In Sanukas, you got, of course, the, the judo and the aikijitsu and the jujitsu and the bando, the Burmese box and the Burmese martial arts, as well as different things like his pia which is his nerve striking and pressure point system, and how he brought those things together along with the, with in the old school, they would call it strato, but in, in today's society they call it like jailhouse boxing. And his boxing, he was a boxer, or he boxed before he even got into martial arts. So his life experiences then, of course, went into his teachings of his Sanukas, and then that gets, gets uh, you know, trans, translated over uh, in his philosophy of how he teaches. So when you look at Sanukas, you're looking at a modern entity of jiu-jitsu, and that modern entity of jiu-jitsu uh, brings forth things that would happen in the hood. It wasn't born in Japan. It was born in the hood. So Bed-Stuy and Harlem and different things and different situations that he had to go through, he brought that into his teachings, which made it more relevant for those in the community that he was teaching. And so Professor V, over time, in bringing forth uh, his growth, his stuff, early stuff was more of that jujitsu element with some of the kung fu and different things in until he got to those last couple of systems, Visitacion, Kuntawarnis, and then his Vrnis Jitsu, where he put more of the emphasis on the 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 Arnis and took out the Kempo forms for the Vrnis and left in the that I think uh, Grandmaster uh, David put in aspects of the Thai boxing. So Viarnese Jitsu's main components are the Vijitsu, the Thai boxing, and the Arnese. Uh, and that's what makes the Viarnese Jitsu system uh, that entity today. 
So uh, I hope that helps uh, people to understand uh, some of the components in the development of each of the systems, which already then brings a certain uniqueness into the VR Nice Jitsu system as well as into the Sanuka system. Mm-hmm. Well, then, and, and another seen... thing to add to that is Dr. Also, mm. Dr. Powell also did executive security, uh, one, of course, for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and uh, also for different people uh, along the way. So he, he, he that all those experiences went in as he was also teaching uh, law enforcement agencies. Mm. Very cool. Yeah, I've se- I've seen a few videos of Dr. Powell and uh, Professor V um on YouTube and wow, powerful. Powerful not only on not only on the outside, but it's it's obvious that they're powerful on the inside. Also, a lot of uh a lot of internal strength there as well for some uh in some of these videos. So, you know, listeners out there uh look them up Moses Powell and Florendo Visitacion. Uh look it up. It's 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 awesome. Um now I I kind of want to um take the conversation into a, a kind of a different realm. I want to take the conversation more into the uh subject of spirituality now. Okay. Um if I remember correctly, you uh, are studying or had been studying um, to be a priest uh, in African spirituality. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, about that? Uh, I don't. Is it the Yoruba tradition? Am, am yes, I getting that wrong? Oh, okay. No, you're correct. You're correct. Um, um, <laughs> I, I am, I'm blessed to have the have had the opportunity to. Uh, with my uh, aluo, with my um, babalao, um, to uh, have gone and become initiated as a priest uh, in Ifa. And although I'm a very young priest, I am just beginning. So I'm just beginning my journey, really, mm-hmm. in that realm. Uh, so there's a lot of study that has to continue on in order for me to grow into this role. Um, Mm-hmm. I was first introduced to it by uh, Aluo uh, Fashebun, uh, Seafood Raw White. Uh, people will know him as, mm-hmm. by that name, who was a uh, student of uh, Sijo Al de Cascos and today mm-hmm. uh, has the Ijo Ija system in L.A. Um, and uh, my first introduction to it came through him. And then... Uh, over time, then, um, I knew Alua Isekbeme before Ifa. We knew each other through martial mm-hmm. arts. And then once he uh, went and he became uh, Babalao, uh, traveling over, uh, then I began to uh, to be one of his godchildren uh, and then grow from there, uh, ultimately going over and, and uh, getting my initiation. Uh, through him and Aluo Falalu uh, Adesanya. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just beginning that journey. I'm just beginning that trek in life. And it, it, it's changed my life a great deal uh, in, 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 in a lot of different ways. But there's still a tremendous amount of growth. I'm still transitioning into it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, can you um, clarify for our listeners um, where... Uh, what or where Ifa 
falls within uh, the Yoruba tradition? Because some of I, I know uh, that some of our listeners are unfamiliar. I've got like some people on the chat board with question marks. <laughs> They're going question mark. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> Ifa, from a very, 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 very basic definition, would say wisdom of nature. Now, mm-hmm. I make the comparison this way, although it goes far deeper than this very simplistic comparison. If one would consider here in America the Native American community in early stages, the early they you would understand that the early Native American community then uh, was would give honor to all that the Creator has developed, all that the Creator has created, that there's life in each thing. So mm-hmm. the closest realm of similarity for people to begin to understand a little bit about Ifa would be that type of perspective in that we give honor to all that the Creator has developed. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, Bob, do you have any questions about the Yoruba tradition or Ifa at all? Uh, actually, yes. Uh Grandmaster Daryl, you know, tell us about how you take on the role of spirituality in an individual march as an individual martial artist. Did that make sense? Almost. Almost. Say it one more time. (laughs) Could you tell us about how do I make it a a part of me? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. In the martial arts. Yeah. And and how do you bring it to your students? Uh, without the overwhelming topic of spirituality, like the Harry, I hate to please forgive me, like like the the people who push the religious aspect onto people. How do you keep that fine line? Um, through you know when when I as far as my personal thing uh, of of bringing it into my martial arts, um, you just have to consider that the underlying principles of character and integrity are the main realms of the that that particular uh the the, the spiritual path that I'm on and that mm-hmm. one of the bigger uh realms of most uh traditional african spiritual systems is honoring those who have come before which are the ancestors but when mm-hmm. you look at it, there is nothing different than when you go to a traditional school of Kung Fu, and the Kung Fu Sifu has their has this altar up with the with the the ancestors, the the, the eight generations of these, these these masters in the in their direct line, and so mm-hmm. I get people to understand that there is nothing wrong with honoring those who have come before. And then right. I, I I try to share with them lessons that they can apply from their physical part and bring those same lessons into other areas, mental lessons, emotional lessons, and the spiritual lessons then become the lessons that the student can verbalize to me. I don't force that on them. 
Mm-hmm. I allow them to share with me <coughs> from the particular perspective that they have. But when you deal with spirituality, it's be far beyond religion because religion is a man-made entity. It's a man-made entity mm-hmm. because you have man-made rules, regulations, laws, and interpretations of the 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 book the, uh, of of whatever spiritual path you are on. The, that that is the reason why there's so many denominations of church or different mm-hmm. sects of Islam because each one might have a slight different interpretation difference. And so spirituality just refers to your own individual relationship with the creator. So when mm-hmm. I share with them from that perspective, when I share with them how do you bring this lesson that we did today in the physical realm to spirituality, the lesson could have been you had a problem in dealing with the stress or the the technique and you got frustrated. So that means you had to work on your patience. So now mm-hmm. if you are working on that realm because that's what you got, that's what the lesson was meant to do, then how do you bring that into your spiritual side? Could it be that spiritually you sometimes get impatient because you're not getting the answers that you want at the time that you want, knowing that spirit has a different time frame. So I try Mm -hmm. to bring it into that way where it's not anything that doesn't speak about any one particular theological belief system. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, unfortunately many people still to this day have, uh, they stereotype the word spirituality, with religion. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I had talked about this before in previous shows that a lot a lot of people are confused, I guess, uh, uh, about spirituality versus tradition and some will actually um take it as one and the same um that kind of thing. And um uh, I really like how you're explaining this um to to us and to the listeners so that way there is a clarification um between the two. Um and Especially the reminder that religion itself is man-made, um, and and that spirituality is within the person, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I was brought mm-hmm. up the same way that uh, spirituality is with the person, and uh, and that re- organized uh, religion is not needed to be a moral, good, just person. Um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing and and you know so you know that that's why um that's why this this subject is actually uh very good because um I'm a firm believer that anyone that studies um a human art and you know we ha- you know we kind of have to admit that martial arts is a human art because you're dealing with other humans and unfortunately if you have to fight with someone that's it's it's an intimate um it's an intimate experience, so to speak, with another human. And, um, you know, having a sense of spirituality and being able to to interact um, on a human level and, uh, and on a spiritual level, so to speak, it's it's, it's important, I think. Um, and at least that's what I was taught through, through my parents, um, that martial arts isn't all about hitting. <laughs> my mom had to keep reminding me about that. It's not about hitting. Remember, it's all about you're dealing with humans. And, well, if you um, think about this on an African level, right, if you think about it in the origination of it, 
many of these mm-hmm. what you would call martial art or martial sciences were a part of the spiritual path that a person was on. If they were in this particular mm-hmm. spiritual tradition, these what they call today as martial arts, um, which and the original name was not martial arts, it was mantu, then these things would already be incorporated in your everyday teaching. So mm-hmm. the mor- the morality and the principles of life and the the uh, development of your character and integrity and being honorable and all of those things that we try to strive to push for our students were already a major part of our studies if we had, you know, if we were back in that time and, and in those traditional um, um, spiritual systems. Mm, mm-hmm. The, very the cool. You know, mm-hmm. different, just, they, it's all, all very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, I found that uh, spirituality is also a big part of uh, um the some Hawaiian uh, martial arts as well. My uh, my sister's part of a hula. Uh, my sister's part of a hula halau in uh, in California. She uh, uh, found her passion for hula um, as a uh, as an art form here in Washington and moved down to Sacramento and uh, joined a really big hula halau. And um, the the spirit the the approach to the spirituality is very similar to what your uh what you had described through the Yoruba tradition and uh through Ifa and um it's it's so refreshing to hear the the similarities between the the inherent you know concept of spirituality as opposed to quote unquote religion so it's it's very refreshing to hear very cool. Well yes ma'am I mean when you talk about Hawaii you also talk about Lua and in Lua, mm-hmm. which is one of the, I would believe, the indigenous art form of Hawaii, then all of those things are inherent in the Lua system. Um, mm-hmm. And so between the spirituality, the physical approach, the even the culture, um, those things are all inclusive in the teaching of that particular uh, um, art form. It seems mm-hmm. that you can tell the difference between the older ancient art forms in the way that they are being taught because it goes far beyond what the norm in some of the schools are. It goes very much mm-hmm. deeper into all areas of life and the full development of a student mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and culturally, mm-hmm. and, you know, add that to it as well. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, that's a great way to put it. My, uh, my sister, uh, who also did martial arts, um, with me as a, as a child, she she does compare her training in in hula as martial arts. It's tough, um, you know. You have a teacher that um, that pushes you, and uh, they teach you a little bit about the background of spirituality uh, within that art, and it's up to you to follow it in your way mm-hmm. or not. Um, That's right. And, uh, yeah, and when I watch, it, it gave me a whole new look at what hula is, right? You know, it's not just, you know, like I said earlier, that it's not just like wavy hands and fake grass skirts. It's a it's a discipline that goes very deep. And, um, you know, I, th- I think that if martial artists, you know, just remember that um, each person has their own version of spirituality and not get, like, you know, stuck on a particular religion, 
that it it'll, it it really brings out the richness of their own practice. But that's that's just my opinion. But I don't know. What do you what do you think, Bob? Before we move on to the next subject. Well, you know, I'm right there with you. I really am. I believe everything you guys are saying because I'm I'm not a I'm not into organized religion. I'm I'm into spirituality. And it drove me nuts. Uh-huh. There was there was a, a minister of a of an organized religion, I forget which one, that was asking for donations so he could buy a sixty million dollar luxury jet. <laughs> that drove me wow. insane. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, a, that's that, big news today. You know, yeah, like what that. where where I am at this point, you know, of course, uh, as, as you know, in speaking, you know, having an opportunity to speak to a hockey for a second, all those things that we talked about, you know, from the African culture, these last few days, we've, we've really worked in deep with that stuff. Um, and then even those of us that study the Filipino arts, the Indonesian arts, the dance is a major part of those arts, right? And so when you uh, tickling and all those other arts of the Philippines have inherent reasoning to them that can be martially applied as well. Some dances are not meant to be that, but some dances have mm-hmm. martial applications to it. When you look at even mm-hmm. the traditional arts in Okinawa, the Okinawan art forms or the old ancient ones do have aspects of dance in those arts. And when you learn those those aspects of dance in those arts, then you can bring them into a cultural uh, martial uh, perspective that allows for growth on those different levels, and not have to and, and alleviate aspects of, uh, of that rigidity. Sometimes that happens. I mean, when we think about rigidity, sometimes that rigidity, and this is an example of maybe how I would teach it to my students: the rigidity that you face because you are so rigid in this, that brings forth a rigidity sometimes in your in your mind, in your the way that you approach things. So mm-hmm. from different areas of life, if this rigidity is it becomes programmed within you, then it manifests outside of you as well. So you have to be mindful mm-hmm. that your rigidity doesn't happen in your mind and that it closes the opportunity for you to expand on your thought process and then be able to grow because you have a rigidity of thought. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to uh, turn the conversation into a, uh, another uh, U-turn here. Uh, I'm just going to throw some names out there. And if you could okay. just uh, give us some of your thoughts about these people, okay. that would be great. Grandmaster Ron Van Cleef. Shidoshi Ron Van Cleef, the Black Dragon. Yes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. Multi-time Legend. world champion. Um, my blessing of him is that he sanctioned my first system of Kamau Ru. Um, uh, recently, I believe it last year or the year before, he and Shidoshi Glenn Perry promoted me to eighth don in the art of Black Dragon Aikijutsu, which for me. Oh, goes I didn't back. know that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Did I not hear about that? <laughs> I didn't hear about it, that. And, Congratulations. You know, my 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 time in my training with Shidoshi goes back in uh, well over twenty, thirty years. And people have got to understand that there are many different ways that these elders teach you. Not all the Mm -hmm. time do they want you to follow their particular path of the way that they do things. So 
even though, of course, I've gotten much information from Shidoshi on a physical level in regard to his Black Dragon Aikijutsu, it was his allowance of me to continue my growth in my direction that really mm-hmm. allowed me to to continue on my own journey uh, to achieve and go forth to my destiny. So my mm-hmm. love for Shidoshi Ron Van Cleef is his allowance for me to grow in my journey, in my path to achieve my destiny. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's what I got from Shidoshi Ron Van Cleef. Awesome. Let's see. Let me uh, pull out another name out of the out of my brain here. Uh, Pete Serengano. Ooh, yeah. Um, Grandmaster Serengano was very old school, uh, and there was a very high level of discipline and and etiquette that happened uh, with Grandmaster Serengano. His techniques were very very. Um, uh, straight to the point, just mm-hmm. like he was. So, again, it's another example of how the art is in relationship to the person who is sharing that mm-hmm. art. Much of their, their their personal life enters into how they share that particular art form, techniques. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned from, what I learned from him was to try to be of the best character and integrity that you can when people talk about Grandmaster Serengano, they always talk about a man who's, who always uh, stood for that which is correct, that which is right, and to try to do the mm-hmm. best he could to do right for people and by people. Very cool. Very cool. Um, let's see. I'm trying to get my brain together here. I'm like, uh, there's a whole bunch of names. Uh, oh, <laughs> can't forget. Little John Davis. Grandmaster Little John Davis. Soaky Little John um, is like, to be honest, that that's dad when it comes to the V lineage for me. He's the first person that I I had the opportunity to study with within the lineage of V, the founder of Kamite Ru Jiu Jitsu. He is one that brought forth to me uh, to not allow things to to uh, stop me. And what I mean by that is. Through his physical training, which was extremely hard during the time that I I trained with him, you learn because it's easy Mm, to give uh up and give in to that pain and that that struggle and that anguish. So what I learned from him was how to endure during the hard times, and I continue Mm -hmm. to, 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 to learn those lessons, extrapolate those lessons from him. Mm-hmm. That's the the essence of what I was able to get from him. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Uh Grandmaster, I got a name. What about uh Billy Davis? Billy Davis oh yeah, well, of course, you know, that's my cousin. Um and the thing with with Grandmaster Davis was his life experiences truly entered into his art form. And uh when when GM, when Grandmaster Davis had started coming back on the scene uh, after some time, you know, that he was taking care of his family and, and you know, his jobs and all that, I, I was already in training Powell. I was training with Dr. Powell significantly in Soki Little Jump. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was able with, with GM, Grandmaster would come and he would be training and teaching at my school 
at least uh, once a week during that time. And then when he opened up his last school, then um, I would close up my school uh, after my classes, and then I would take uh, a couple of my senior students over to where he was teaching. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times I ran I ran the class over there while he might have been taking care of other ent- you know other things. So mm-hmm. what I learned from him was that your life experiences and how to bring your life experiences into your art and how to continue to push it forward to keep life as simple as possible because the techniques that he taught were simple for the reason that he brought his life experiences into it. He shared with me that Mm -hmm. if you think about this in the life experience, this right here, you don't have time for all that, right? You got time to do A, B, and C. And so how how we express the art also is the philosophy behind the art form. That's what, of course, I got from him, besides the system, besides, you know, learning his approach to jiu-jitsu, his approach mm-hmm. to how to make the jiu-jitsu work from a very street combat perspective in his way of doing it. Very cool. How about Grandmaster Rico Guy? Uh, again, family, you know, my cousin. Mm-hmm. And so what I was able to, to really learn from him uh, from uh, different art forms, like, uh, number one, he's always stood by me, even when others have had, um, you know, abandoned ship on me. Uh, mm-hmm. One So one thing that, I've, that I did learn from him is, to, to stay tall, to stay strong with those who you believe in. Uh, if you believe in something, then you're going to stick with it, and you're always going to to um, make sure that you can stand tall. You always stand tall with that which you believe in. That that, that would be a specific mm-hmm. way of saying that. Uh, of course, within the Goju system, uh, when I, as I train with him, I'm one of the only ones that have all the Goju copters and stuff from him. Uh, mm-hmm. It is... The soft style, again, not being as rigid, learning to soften up on different things. Although that's a challenge with me in the terms of the art form, uh, that has helped me to to learn how to try to do that into my everyday life. So with him, it was the primary thing of stand strong on who you are and don't let anybody, no matter who it is, uh, um, try to to tear you down. Mm-hmm. Be who you are and stand strong on who you are. That's the biggest thing that I learned from from Hanchi from 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 Hanchi uh, guy. Very cool. I've uh, got one more name, just one more name that came to mind. Um, Amaguro Rufino Pambuan. Oh, Amaguro Rafi. Amaguro Rafi. Uh, in, in terms of the inheritorship of his of his uh, family system, he's you mm-hmm. know he's strictly he's very he's phenomenal at what he's doing. In fact, this week, uh, Kuya Bain uh, is down in Florida with him uh, as mm-hmm. uh, as Amaguro is is uh, doing his annual celebration uh, for his father uh, Lolo Lolo uh, Isidro Pambuan and the Lolo Cinquetero mm-hmm. system and stuff uh, that they do. So what I've learned, of course, from him was 
how important it is to protect the legacy and lineage of your family. And that mm-hmm. you still, even in doing that, have to continue to grow it and expand on it, but to keep it uh, keep it um, um, protected and preserved uh, through you. And, 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 and that will, you know, make you, force you to keep a, a level of character and integrity because you don't want to, to uh, disappoint those who have come before. They're always there mm-hmm. watching what it is that you do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And for our listeners out there that aren't familiar with uh, Pambuan Arnis, look it up, P-A-M-B-U-A-N. And uh, it's it's really cool. The full name, uh, if I remember correctly, is, um, oh, what is it, Pambuan Arnis. Oh, there's like three other words in there. Pambuan Arnis, Tulisan, Caballero, something. Am I getting closer to mano, it? Mano. I know there's a couple. Yeah. Mano, mano. I know I was missing something. I know I know Caballero was in there somewhere. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so San Caballero, mano, mano. And what what wound awesome. up being is that his father uh, took his father's side and his mother's side, and and mm-hmm. two arts together to formulate uh, the system. Oh, very. So it's it's definitely um, a, a serious family art. That's <laughs> right. Six generations. Five generations or six generations uh is on wow. wow. That's that's very cool. And that that goes back a long way. Considering that, right. you know, my my great grandfather's like two wait, I'm trying to do the Yeah, it's only like two, two or three. So six we're talking like, you know, early eighteen hundreds, late seventeen hundreds. That's that goes back a long way. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to turn the oh, mic over to Sifu Bob. I got it in. Okay. Uh, Guru, Guru Cliff Stewart. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, want me to talk yes. About, you, you want me to talk about Guru Cliff Stewart, huh? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> make sure I watch what I say because it's really dangerous. Uh, you know, my Guru Cliff, of course, um, took me in at a time to share with me the art of sea life at a very, very high mm-hmm. level. And the, the, the things that I learned from my guru is, to, is in the, the thing of making the art form, uh, bringing that art form tremendously uh, deeper than anything mm-hmm. that I, I really had done before. And how to take it and make it very science and be precise in everything mm-hmm. that you're doing. And being able to um, uh, understand the connection between uh, the internal and the external, how the footwork is external, but yet it's internal, it's inside your body as well. How to work Mm -hmm. the angles to such a way that you are working complementary angles. Uh, His principles, how to bring his principles into uh, a way that if you put them together in the appropriate way, they go far, of course, beyond the technique. Oh, man, I, there's so much that I learned from Mahaguru uh, that, you know, those are the prime, some of the primary things that I learned from, from Mahaguru uh, in, in, uh, in the art form and in life, to be honest with you. He's another one that was, has stood beside me uh, and, and, and 
has me to to stand on my, in essence, stand on my square. You know, stand on who mm-hmm. you are, and know and have confidence that that what you are doing uh, is is good because I ain't back in no garbage. So I'm going to force it to be that it's where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But when people have to, when when people, uh, many people think they know, but they don't know me that well. The people that back me, they have to understand that these people ain't going to back no garbage. Mm-hmm. A, a Hathi Kalindi E is not going to back garbage. My guru Cliff Stewart is not going to back garbage. And mm-hmm. Hanchi and, and Shidoshi and so many others, are not, they're not going to... Um, they're not going to back garbage. So mm-hmm. it forces me to to keep on track, and it forces me to continue pushing forward in the appropriate directions. Mm-hmm. Wow, what, a, what a great bunch of teachers. That's incredible. <laughs> incredible. Oh, yeah. And, Go ahead, and Bob. I actually had uh, introduced Rusty to Guru Cliff at uh, the... Uh, Martial Arts History Museum Honor Awards last year mm-hmm. because when 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 he was on your show, I think she thought I was exaggerating a little bit how he could palm somebody's face if he wanted to. He's a big guy, isn't he, Rusty? <laughs> oh my gosh! I went to go shake his hand and my hand disappeared. And and but the thing was is that you know a lot of times people will look at a big guy and you just assume, oh wow, very powerful gentle and you could feel it just in his handshake you know i i could almost feel like you know him you know what i mean how he how he is and just absolutely wonderful man and it was such an honor to finally get a chance to have the honor to meet him just in, just incredible incredible yeah, to meet that's what you get when you live in la yeah, right. <laughs> if I hang out with Bob, I'll just end up meeting people that you know I've only dreamed of. It's like, it's awesome. Yeah, he, right. he should cool. be at the he should be at the seminars uh, on that Sunday uh, if he can. Mm. Uh, he might not be there in the morning, but he should be there for the afternoon session. Oh, very cool. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Just have to kind of wait up and see what his schedule is going to be. But if he can make mm-hmm. it, he's definitely. Very awesome. Cool. Now you've got girl you've got a, a deep commitment to your community which is really admirable. You've you've taught several programs for after school programs, nonprofit organizations, group homes, you work with uh at risk youth, uh former criminal uh offenders, uh women's group senior citizens. And t- tell us a little bit about your involvement with those organizations. Um you know, to work with the community and to bless others, to bless others is to bless yourself. And so mm-hmm. if you look at it from the principle and the concept of me being able to share things that will allow people to grow, then it allows myself to grow and and blesses everything even more that I try to bless. And so um, working with the nonprofit organizations was to, give kids the opportunity that would cannot afford to go to these schools and pay uh, big um, tuitions because they might be single parents and they might have financial difficulties and such. So to be able to work with uh, kids in the community 
uh, give them the opportunity to gain from what the martial arts can give. Um, Mm -hmm. To expose them early is to give them the opportunity to respect it. And so that's uh, what I tried to do with the nonprofit organizations, working with the women's uh, groups to share with them practical methodology of self-defense to give them empowerment and enliftment and to hopefully give them a sense of of confidence, uh, Mm self-esteem, allows them, some of them who might have made bad decisions in the past, to try to make better decisions now and then for the future to help them push forward. Um, Mm -hmm. Group homes, of course, I still work at a group home now, um, and... to bring forth the discipline, the discipline that the martial arts has to offer is to see a young young, uh, person to develop that in in another way. They they become safer because you bring forth that that discipline. It it gives them a certain level of expectation to work up to. Now, Mm -hmm. it also brings forth it allows you to push the other side because you can't teach them the physical side, but it allows you to teach the emotional and the the, the mental side of the martial arts in certain ways mm-hmm. to those kids that hopefully allow them in the future to continue growing and make good decisions for their lives. Very so cool. So that gives you an understanding a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Wow, it sure does. Uh, so I, I know Rusty wasn't going to ask you this, so I've got to. Uh, huh. <laughs> and she's going, oh, my What's God, that? what are you going to say now? Uh, <laughs> oh. What was it oh. like? Because <laughs> now she knows where I'm going. Because, you know, yeah, I, I inducted her. Rusty into the Masters Hall of Fame in 2011. What was your feeling when when you got notified? Rusty asked you. You got the letter. What what was your feeling feelings on it? It's a humbling experience. Well, basically, I, I don't do Hall of Fames. Um, I, I really don't. Um, I feel that I'm still at a young age. But uh, when someone that you know and that you respect and that you love asks you and say, I, I want you to do this because the work that you're doing is speaking for you. Well, the Bible mm-hmm. talks about let the works I do speak for me. And so if one is truly acknowledging me because of the works that I am trying to do, then I feel like then the honor is being given to me for uh, a, a, um, a I want to say a valid reason, but that's not the real word that I want to use uh, for a reason that befits uh, what it is that I'm trying to do and who I'm trying to be in this life. So for me, it was an honor to for for uh, for her. She's been trying to get me to do this a couple of years, but you know, <laughs> I, I relented, and this year it's going to happen. But it was an honor for me to accept that from her, uh, knowing that it's due to the works that I have, the works that I'm doing, and that it is speaking for who I am trying to be and the people I am trying to share, teach, and help. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that was my whole 
idea when I nominated you, Brother Daryl, is that, and it's also it's also an homage to all your teachers and all the masters that came before you that that mm-hmm. um, motivated you to to do this type of work because this you know this type of work, selfless work, um, is is rare. You know, uh, I found that a, a lot of the people that work in um, similar um, careers, such as, uh, oh, I don't know, counseling, teaching in public schools, um, uh, public service, you know, be it uh, policemen or fire department or EMTs or whatever, they they all get into it for a selfless desire to help their fellow man and to help their community. And uh, more and more these days, you know, we see more and more uh, people in the martial arts just throwing out the attitude, if you know what I mean. And it, and it's 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 kind of sad to see, um, you know, such a high level of egotism uh, and sometimes arrogance in in the martial arts when you know. Especially when you're brought up in in uh, a way that uh, teaches martial arts as being humble and just using martial arts as being a, a a good human being. So you know, through the years that I've known you and seeing the work that you've done and the lives that you've touched and the people that you've studied under, it's you know, it was just it would be my honor to to recognize you as well as um, the ancestors that have brought the knowledge to you. So, and it's, 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 it's about time that I do that, <laughs> that I, that I recognize. So congratulations, I, brother. <laughs> I thank you. You know, um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I try. Oops. We lost Daryl. <laughs> okay. I, th- I thought maybe you lost me because I didn't have the board open. And all of a sudden went dead. Yeah, that was that was weird. Let's see if we can let's see if we can call him back. Uh let's see. <laughs> of course uh, it's so close boom, to the boom. show ending. Yeah. But it, it sounded um it sounded as if um connection was going out anyway. Um Right, and then so, all of a sudden it dies, yep. Yeah. We'll see if he Answers. You have reached a non-working number. Announcement: fourteen. Switch one three two two dash one. Okay, let me. You have reached something different here. I don't know what happened there. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) let's try again. Um, that was the number. Let's see here. Uh, well, let me double check to make sure that I typed it in right. Nope, that's right. Oh, there he is. Okay. Oops. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't know what happened. I'm trying to call you on the other line, and I'm trying to hang it up, and it's not working. Let's see here. Oh, there we go. Okay. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. Right. My my battery my battery went dead and 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 oh. so I had to run in and, and so I'm hiding behind something so I don't interrupt the hati and his his uh, instruction right now. Uh, so sorry about that. It's all good. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. But um, <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. But you know, I, I just I, I guess basically thank you uh, for for thinking enough of me 
to uh, honor me in such a way or, or with even with, with such a thought. I appreciate it very much. Oh, it's it's my pleasure and honor, uh, Brother Daryl. It's my pleasure. So in closing, since we're in the last minutes of our broadcast, I don't know why I'm whispering because no one over there can hear me. But... <laughs> it sounds like you're hosting a golf tournament that you're 50 what? miles away from the tee and you're whispering. <laughs> why am I whispering? But um, – uh, for your uh, for your closing words, do you have any advice for um, our young people that are interested in getting into martial arts? Uh, sure, for young people, um, I, I just ask them to give it an opportunity. Most times, young people mm-hmm. have, they, they see it, they look at it, but they're not willing to give give it an opportunity. I ask young people mm-hmm. to give it an opportunity and see what the values are for them. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you will begin to see uh, that there are so many other things that the martial arts has to offer uh, besides the physical realm. There's the, the, you, you learn so many other things about yourself and learn things mm-hmm. of learn things about others. And so what I ask and what I, I the advice that I give to youth is to give it an opportunity and your opportunity mm-hmm. manifest blessings for you. But, you awesome, know, wonderful. Uh, Very that, cool. You know, I, I hope they that, that, that you know gives them good advice. It does. That's wonderful advice for the young people out there. Uh, so thank you so much, Brother Daryl, for joining us and taking the time out of your day there at the at the seminar to speak with us for almost ninety minutes. I hope that everybody has an opportunity to come to the workshops that we got going on out there by the you know, uh the day after the Masters Hall of Fame. Um, you know, we're mm-hmm. gonna have uh, we've been blessed that we we've also had uh, Grandmaster Andre Glenn and Taicho <clears throat> uh, uh, Sean Cephas and Professor Alessandro uh, Ashanti mm-hmm. also to be a part, as well as Shihan uh, uh, Zahalia, which I believe is a Hall of Fame member. I think she got it last year. Uh, Zahalia Anderson and uh, oh, also yeah, it's, it's at her school. Um, and then, of course, Alua Ifekbeme Fasheye. I give honor to him, and I look forward to to the seminar. So, if, you know, hopefully people can make it. Uh, I believe that they will be blessed and they will be able to grow in whatever martial arts system or style or art form that they do. Don't let names mm-hmm. ever stop you from coming in and growing and expanding on who it is and what it is that you do. Definitely. Well, we'll try to get the word out there. The closer to um, that weekend, uh, we'll get the word out there about the seminars. So that way, if people are staying for the whole weekend, they can uh, hopefully come and check out those seminars. That would be great. That would be awesome. Yeah, and and remember, if you get the opportunity, Daryl, your dinner ticket also gets you into the uh, Marshall and Sister Museum that weekend. Yeah, yes, I, I will. I will do that um, because um, you know I want to support uh, as much as I can of what it is that you guys are doing. Very cool. Sir. Thank you very much. And the Martial Artistry Museum is kind of fun, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So thank you again, Grandmaster Daryl and uh, my brother in in the martial arts. My other brother. I got two bros now <laughs> in the in the martial arts, like old souls. That uh, you know, I swear that sometimes I think that uh, the two of you guys, we that we all might have like fought together in some previous <laughs> life, not fought with each other, but fought together. You know, on the same side. You know, warriors together somehow. Because that's just you know how it feels sometimes. But thank you again, and we'll let you get back to the seminar. Give uh, everyone my best. I will. I will. Thank you guys so much for having me. And may the Creator and Ancestors bless each and every one of you and continue to bless your works. God bless each and every one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Grandmaster. We'll talk again soon. Okay. Blessings. All right. And that was Grandmaster Daryl Sargent. And uh, listen in to his show, Modern Combat Masters. I used to be the co-host for that, and now it's uh, co-hosted by Hanchi Daniel Vena, and I'm considered the executive producer. And uh, I hope to be uh, getting back on track and helping out with the uh, uh, development of the, the show and uh, being able to listen every now and again. But my schedule has been, like, so crazy. <laughs> but I want to get back into that as well. Anyhow, so listeners, tune in next week as we broadcast live from the, uh, oh, jeez, I forgot the name of the tournament. Bob and the Bob White, White Invitational. Thank you. <laughs> There's so many events going on. It's like my brain is on overdrive, right? So anyhow, yeah. everyone, have a great rest, rest of the weekend. Enjoy the rest of the day, and we'll see everyone next week, 11 a.m., Bob Bob White Invitational. Bye-bye now.